The Start. On Demand. On Demand. Hi there. I'm back from vacation, but now Loren's gone for two weeks. And today we talked about YOLO spending, how to avoid YOLO spending post-pandemic. And that also led to a great conversation about impulse shopping. Lots of great stories on the dumb things that we have ran out and spent our money on. And our winner <laughs> had a great story about being put on a short leash. And we also had a very important conversation with our friend, Winnipeg author David Robertson. In the headline at the Globe and Mail opinion piece, Brian Pallister has shattered the relationship between Indigenous people and the Manitoba government. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's gone for a couple of weeks. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Monday, July 26th podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off. For a couple of weeks, I'm back from vacation, and Mackling, you were back in the building last week in my absence, but you're back in the building. There are two of us here. I can see you on the monitor. Yes. We're breathing not exactly the same air, but we're at least in the same building on the same floor, separated by, I don't know how many footsteps. You get here in about six footsteps, it feels. (laughs) Like, I'll turn my back and... All of a sudden, there's Brett. <laughs> so it's great to see you. I don't think we've seen one another in person since my birthday, since the May long weekend. It's yeah. The last time, and we had a very socially distanced six-minute visit on my front street. So uh, good to see you, brother. It's good to see you too, Mackling. It's good to see you. It's good to be back. I had a wonderful, wonderful vacation, and I finally... Finally got out to the mystical land of Minnedosa. It does exist. It exists. Because <laughs> that's, that's McNabby Town. That's where she grew up and you have roots. How much time did you spend in Minnedosa again? Oh, I mean, you'd have to add it all up. I never lived there, of course, but I owned property there for almost uh, 15 years on Main Street. And I know you tracked down and found the, the beautiful new business that is on the main floor of what we affectionately referred to as the Chipperfield building when we purchased or when I did back in the early 2000s. It's Farmhouse 50 now and they've just done what my uh, dad and my stepmom did uh, 20 years ago by opening a coffee shop and they've just taken it to a whole other level. It's a, it's a beautiful spot. And the whole that whole part of the province, uh, like I've been wanting to get out there for 20 years, my, some of my friends have been telling me, you got to go play the golf course at Nipawa. And then it was Loren who said, well, Minnedosa has a golf course too, a really good one. So it's a, just a bit too far, I think, for us for a day trip. You could do it. I mean, Nipawa is two hours or 2.15. Minnedosa is just it's like 10 minutes down the road. So it could be done, but that's a long day. So we made a weekend of it, stayed in Nipawa. So we drove out to Minnedosa. And what a beautiful area, just the, the, all the rolling hills. The golf course was spectacular and super, super fun. And it didn't matter where you were on the golf course. There were The views were wonderful. We just had a blast there and then played a couple of rounds in Nipawa where we stayed. And also uh, the hype, it was one of those like things where I thought my expectations are not going to be met. Right, because people have been telling me for years, you got to get out there and play these golf courses, and they were just both magnificent. Nipawa has some of the most stunning 
tee shots. Have you ever played that golf course? I have. I've been there for uh, golf tournaments in the past and a couple of different elevated tees and the different uh, vistas that you're so eloquently describing uh, in full effect in Nipawa. There's obviously, we've discussed this uh, jokingly over the years, that rivalry between Minnedosa and Nipawa. And uh, I'm not going to ask you which golf course you like the best, <laughs> but Nipawa was you know, built as an 18-hole track yeah. originally, whereas Minnedosa was a nine-hole course for a long, long time and then added a nine holes. I guess it was about 20 years ago that they added the the affectionately referred to back nine and integrated a couple of the uh, of the original nine holes into that back nine. But uh, yeah, that there's just it's if you haven't been to that part of the province, you know, Jackie and I were out and about yesterday, hit the beer can Friday, and you hate to say that the hallmark of a great attraction is when you feel like you're somewhere else. Yeah. But uh, I think those two courses do that, and the beer can certainly does that. Uh, the whole idea of, I don't feel like I'm in Kansas anymore. Yeah, that's right. I would concur with that feeling at the beer can. There's nothing quite like it. And and, and as far as those golf courses go, at both of them, and I don't, I, I would have to really think about it. I've been trying to think, you know, which one did I like more? I don't know. Uh, but I do know that at both courses, it didn't feel like I was playing in Manitoba. When we were standing on some of those elevated tee boxes, I thought, how is this even possible? Because I'm I'm used to flat. Everything's flat. We're here. So when to see hills and to see escarpments or whatever you call them, uh, it was just, it was so nice to finally see that part of the province as my... Tour of Southern Manitoba continues in, in this tournament that we we referred to as the New Nine Invitational. Because when you get to, you have a bad front nine, you get to the 10th tee and you're like, all right, boys, it's a New Nine. Oh, you get to rip up the scorecard to a certain extent. Kind at of, At least yeah. ceremonially. It's like hitting the reset button. And one of my buddies uh, got me a hat. It turns out there's a golfing brand called New Nine Golf. So I'm Great proudly looking wearing, chapeau, man. It is a nice hat. Hey, I was wondering because it's a crapshoot. Buying something online. Yep. Buying stuff online. Uh, that's that can be tough because I have purchased hats that looked one way on the website, and then I get it, and it's like, well, on the website this looked purple, but now it turns out to be blue. And <laughs> not that it's bad, but I wanted purple. You have some other challenges when it comes to uh, hats as well. Well, your, your, your melon isn't exactly a, a, a usual shape, shall we say? <laughs> I have a big fat skull, so most hats don't fit my head. Like there was that time that uh, Chris Watchorn from Vogue Sportswear came in with those amazing, amazing special edition Bud Grant era Winnipeg Blue Bombers hats. Yes. And uh, he we, we, we said, can you please bring a couple? We will buy them from you. And I grabbed it and put it on my head and ev- and it didn't fit. Like even at, with one peg on the snapback, it was too small for my head. I was so disappointed. Yeah, felt so bad for you. yeah, we're actually going to talk about spending at six thirty-seven. How to avoid YOLO spending? You only YOLO? live once. Oh, that's what that stands for. Yes. And then at 6.45, we're going to talk about impulse shopping for your chance to win a $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia pizza. And that sort of ties into the whole, like, that's where on where impulse shopping, online stuff, you can get out of control so fast. So, no question about it. And, uh, man, I, I need a rain on me at the best of times, let alone uh, during this <laughs> pandemic. So, yeah, you've been, you're asking, you know, what is your worst spend or 
you know, impulse buy, mm-hmm. I, we don't have enough time <laughs> to cover them. So I got to I got to pick one. It's really difficult. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. McNabb is off for a couple of weeks. GMAC, what are we talking about after Global News at 7 o'clock? After 7 o'clock in the United States, we we talked about this a little bit last week. Travel, of course, uh, the border. Americans will be able to uh, travel across uh, the border, come and see us here in Winnipeg as soon as they start scheduling some flights, August 9th as uh, airports in Ottawa, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Halifax, and Quebec City begin welcoming uh, those flights uh, direct from the U.S. Well, cases of COVID-19 are on the rise dramatically in some parts of that country. We'll find out uh, where and get an update from Jennifer Johnson. One of the silver linings of the pandemic for some Canadians was the amount of money they saved. But now that restrictions are lifting, experts say many people are YOLO spending out of excitement and deprivation. Global Charmin Samani explains. The sound of cash registers opening, background noise at malls, and physically touching and feeling our purchases hasn't been a luxury for many Canadians during the pandemic. There's a little bit of a rush you get from buying something new and having something new. And that's why consumer researcher June Cott says we're seeing a rise in YOLO spending. Inspired by the philosophy, you only live once. People have been deprived from spending on in-person shopping and experiences, and now they're really excited to spend. A lot of it, I think, is this restoring a sense of self-control. But we can choose what we wear, or we can choose, you know, to have a, a really nice meal. YOLO spending is being noticed across the country. According to a behavioral science study released last month by Interact, Canadians have started spending more on non-essential items. The tendency is to splurge and spend that. So take that second thought. Think about where that money should go. Money expert Melissa Leong agrees. Make sure that some of your long-term goals are a part of this short-term burst of excitement. Leong recommends writing down your long-term financial goals. You want to save for retirement. You want to build up an emergency fund. You want to save for your kid's education. You want to travel. She recommends thinking ahead about how your finances will change post-pandemic. Inflow and the outflow of your money and how that's going to change. Leong suggests writing down what's important to you. Or spending in a way that's in line with your values. She recommends prioritizing debts and separating your savings account from your checking to help curb your spending. She says act on your goals right away instead of waiting till after you've splurged and we've returned to normal. Both Leong and Cot agree on rewarding ourselves for surviving the pandemic, but to do it mindfully. They say it's easy to get caught in the you only live once mindset, but remind yourself of the life you'll be responsible for as we return to normal. Sharmin Samani, Global News. I think a lot of people are taking that you never know approach right now. And several conversations I had over the weekend with people, Brett, uh, in travel terms in particular, you just never know what's going to happen. And and some people in my circle are planning trips that they have maybe been putting off, ones that they were planning to take before the pandemic. You've seen the cost and the uh, housing prices in Winnipeg and Manitoba right across the country go through the roof because people are jumping into bigger houses. They want more space based on their experiences in the pandemic. Cottages, there are all sorts of different big ticket items that people are going all in on right now. I have not purchased anything like an actual item outside of a golf bag this year 
basically the whole pandemic. That's the only sort of thing that I bought, whereas most of my spending during the pandemic has gone to basically towards restaurants. But that's where I noticed, or I have noticed the sticker shock in multiple ways because they, we had reopening and then things closed up again. So going from buying takeout to suddenly sitting in an establishment, I remember that first bill was, uh, <laughs> and I knew it was coming, but it was still weird to suddenly have an $85 bill versus a $25 bill for the food that I had ordered because I also had a handful of beers. And uh, and I find that that's where I probably need to rein it in because I can't afford to go out and do that two, three times. Like during the Euro, I was out three times in a week, mm. and that was inexpensive. It was a fun week. And it sort of is falling into that kind of YOLO stuff, like, ah, I'm, you know, I've missed this. I want to be around people. I want to just sit and enjoy this. But you got, I, I got to get control of it now. Yeah, well, you know, uh, listen, um, what were margaritas? I think margaritas were $13 at the beer can. Yeah, mine, the ones I was getting were 15 Right? And <laughs> just no thought. No thought of, really? Have I ever spent that kind of money on a margarita before? No, it was caught up in... Being where I was, and I think we're going to see a continuation of that sort of thing where people are going to maybe consider the price second versus first. And, you know, that dopamine and serotonin and the adrenaline of buying new things and out being shop, you know, out shopping and purchasing and getting it in your hand. And mm, there's a reason why uh, shopaholic is a terminology in our society. So the question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. Simple question. Have you been able to save money during the pandemic? Yes or no? Cast your vote at cjob.com. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on vacation for a couple of weeks. We just talked about YOLO spending. A lot of Canadians were able to save some money during the pandemic, and now they are YOLO spending. You only live once. So we want to talk about impulse shopping at 204-780-6868. Chance to win a $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza. Tell us a story about impulse shopping for your chance to win. We'll give it away just after 915 so let's go around the horn here, uh, just ahead of Kelly Moore's Jets report at 6.55. Cameron Portress, why don't we start with you, sir? I bought a book on poetry just recently. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. What uh, prompted it? <laughs> While I was listening to this podcast, and it was about, like, uh, English literature and, and, you know, the use of poetry, and I'm like, you know, I, like, I'm, I'm kind of using it to kind of improve, like, my linguistic skills, which Ooh. is very important, and, and to, like, the way I describe myself and... So it's kind of like a it's kind of like a, a self help thing. So yeah, I just <laughs> bought a book. I never thought I would ever buy a book on poetry in my life, and now I'm really really enjoying it. But what, what, it sounds like you put some thought into it. Like we're yeah. just wandering through the bookstore, and there it was. And you yeah. thought, ah, I think I can use this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I just actually was on it was on Amazon. I was just like, all right, bang. It was like it was like a split second decision. I said, I'll just oh, buy this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. So when you get the book, will you read some poems to us? I already already have. I can bring it in tomorrow if you oh. want to hear some poems. <laughs> Maybe. We'll get, get him to read a poem. <laughs> G-Mac, what about you? I know you said that there, oh. there, there is not enough time. Oh, stress-inducing just thinking about all the poor decisions <laughs> I've made, the things I've done without consultation, 
Jackie, I think, is at the gym still, but if she's listening on the way home, I apologize for a long list of of decisions made on the purchase side without consultation. Like Johnny says, we were at a local Arctic Cat dealership, this is by text, a couple of years ago, talking to the owner, and out of nowhere, my wife agreed to trading in our two Flatlander sleds for a mountain sled. Well, Johnny, that's where I fall down continuously. <laughs> I don't wait for my wife to agree. I simply go ahead and do things impulsively like, the last time I bought a truck, yeah, yeah, I went to go look at a truck, and uh, I came home, and well, what did you think of it? Um, uh, you can see it for yourself. It's in the driveway. <laughs> I am that. I am that classic guy. So, uh, what is it going to take to get you in this truck today? Give me a pen. Really, is typically my answer. <laughs> Jeff Braun, what about you? Uh, mine's a little bit on the other end of the spectrum. Most uh, Saturday, Sunday mornings, if I wake up early, I like to go to McDonald's and get a coffee and go for a little drive, that sort of thing. And uh, far too often, while I'm in the drive-thru at McDonald's, I will impulse buy a great big huge breakfast for myself instead of just the coffee, which is all I was planning to get. Is like, I'll have the coffee when I get home. You know, I'll have an orange and that'll be breakfast. And then two sausage McMuffins and two hash browns later, I'm just like belching as I'm driving through the city, <laughs> drinking my coffee and feeling really, really bad about it. I felt good about myself for about 10 seconds on the first bite. And then I just felt like trash the rest of the day. When I, when I get one of those sausage McMuffins, I call them Jeff Brons. I said, I'm going to pick up a couple of Jeff Brons. I just say it to myself because I know how much he loves those things. <laughs> <laughs> no egg though, right? No. Oh, absolutely no not. No egg. Oh, okay. Gross. Yeah. Jeff has given me uh, more than one egg because they some, whenever they bungle the order, he's like, Brett, you want an egg? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Here's this egg. <laughs> uh, Mr. Forte, what about you? I cannot step into a Long McQuaid because if I go there, I, I know I'm leaving with something that I should not buy. I, I've bought, you know, a subwoofer from there for my PA system. I've bought like a, a DMX light just to have it. I don't know. I can't, I can't go into Long McQuaid. It's just, uh, oh, and it's so expensive. So I, I gotta keep gotta keep clear. Well, Don, with a great the beginnings of a great story, we're still waiting for the end of the story. But Don says, <clears throat> "Excuse me, sorry." Back when my wife and I were still dating, she had a house and I had an apartment. We were out with a friend of mine and his kids, and we were going to the electrical museum. We were about an hour early, so my friend, the electrical museum, that's just off of uh, Harrow, right? Harrow and Taylor. Uh, yeah, so, it's right by the Long and McQuaid. Okay, yeah. So we, were, my friend suggested we should go to Long and McQuaid so these kids could hear me playing some electronic drums. So off we went. And I had read someplace that Sonor, had, hopefully I'm saying that right, had pronounced a small number, 500 total, Phil Rudd signature drum kits. I was hoping to be lucky enough to see one. Lo and behold, we walked into Long and McQuaid and I was checking out the electronic kits. My future wife, who had no idea who Phil Rudd is, and didn't know about my hopes of seeing a Phil Rudd kit, says, these are the drums you should get. So I turned to look, and there they were. Phil Rudd signature kit. I said, not a good idea, living in an apartment. She said, you can set them up at my house. Before she could change her mind, I was $1,500 poorer. <laughs> and to this day, they are still in my basement and have sent... That's all we got. And no! that's where the story cuts. <laughs> so we need the end. <laughs> Sounds as much like a rod and reel 
as a set of drums. Yeah, and now he's the new drummer for ACDC. Mm. Just like <laughs> <Phil Rivers>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for me, I'm just thinking about this now, for probably the, the most expensive impulse buy I ever had uh, when I bought my house uh, with my then fiance. Uh, my parents gave us some money to buy some stuff for, that we needed for the house, like supplies and apply. I don't know, tools, appliances, whatever. And uh, I went to Future Shop. I think it was Future Shop or Best Buy. I can't remember to buy a vacuum, and we wanted a good one. And then they had this Dyson vacuum, and it was a pet hair specialty vacuum. It had horse hair in the beater bar that was designed. Apparently, it's, it makes it even more effective at kicking that cat hair out of the carpet because it just locks itself in because we had two cats and I'm allergic. And But it was like 800 bucks. But I just bought it. I had no consultation. I came home and said, okay, don't be mad. I bought this $800 vacuum. And she says, $800 for a vacuum? <laughs> and that was before tax. I said, but look, it's the pet hair one. We look what cats. it does. I'm, aller- I'm so... It You're was- going to salesman <laughs> mode. <laughs> Please don't get mad at my purchase. It was a great vacuum. My sister now has it because yeah. she's got pets and I can't have pets anymore. But tell us a story about impulse shopping. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off for a couple of weeks at 204-780-6868. We're asking you to tell us a story about impulse shopping, and it could be whatever you want. It could be something that you bu- you've already bought. It could be something you bought during the pandemic. Maybe something you are struggling to avoid. Like maybe there's a place that you just can't walk into. Like Fortier says he can't walk into Long and McQuaid, otherwise he's doomed. So maybe there's a place you avoid. Whatever. Tell us a story for a chance to win that $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. And uh, Greg, you referenced Brad. You pointed to Brad telling us an amazing story. Yes. Uh, what is it on the waterfront? I could have been a contender. <laughs> this one's a contender. I had a snow machine and I ended up writing it off. Promised my wife I would not get another machine. The machine I had was at a dealership. Uh Uh-oh. And they were assessing it for MPI. Of course, I go to check and see where things are at, and I get to looking a new sled and went ahead and was going to buy it. Well, my my wife used to work at the office where I was, and uh, they phoned to let me know that my new machine was ready to be picked up. (laughs) But it was my wife that they told to relay the message to me as I was in a meeting. Long story short, I don't have a new snowmobile, and I'm on a shorter leash. <laughs> Terrific stuff. Yeah, there, there was some consultation, perhaps, would have been required there. And Gary says back in the 80s, where we lived, we had an annual electronics show, and it was ground zero for impulse buying. They would bring in the best of the best of all stereo equipment that you could dream of. I would go in. Lying to myself, saying, I'm just going to look. Wandering around one year, I came across a stall that featured DBX. I asked the salesman what it was, and to make a long story short, he said this is the best noise reduction system available. And this was in the days of reel-to-reel tape recorders. So, of course, I had to buy it. Fast forward next year, I'm wandering, ar- wandering around the electronics show and go by the Capitals DBX booth, and the salesman says, all you need to come and see this. So I smiled and said, no, I don't think so. I bought the DBX 224 last year. And being a good salesman, he goes, oh, sorry, that is so outdated. You have to buy this version right here. The hook was set 
Out came my second Persona King Impulse, and now I am the proud owner of two DBXs sitting in my garage. King Impulse! Get that on a hockey or a football jersey. I like that. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. McNabb is off for the next couple of weeks. A reminder that we have a big announcement coming up just after Global News at 8 o'clock about something cool happening in Winnipeg later this summer. And a reminder with McNabb being off from vacation. I'm back from vacation this week. I'll, I'll just quickly tell you, Greg, I, this is going to be a tough week at detox because all I'm craving right now is anything with melted cheese on it. Oh, I was wondering where you're going with that. I, I, well, I, you can also assume <laughs> that that's part of the equation, what you were thinking. But, uh, uh, yeah, I need some, like, romaine lettuce stat. Just some, like, cel- just give me some celery juice. <laughs> if, then, if that's not a thing, I got to make it a thing. What are your top five favorite vegetables to to nibble on if you have to do it quickly before to we move nibble on. on yeah uh okay well i do actually quite enjoy celery i enjoy the crunch of the celery i like those little cherry tomatoes i don't know if that cl- technically classifies as a vegetable because that's uh that's on the the fruit vegetable border is it, it not it definitely is so okay. i'll give it to you as a veggie though um not a, a ca- carrots i guess are okay but meh. you gotta have dip yeah yeah you gotta have it with dip do pickled beans count? Because I like a pickled bean and a Caesar. <laughs> if you skip the Caesar, I suppose we could give it to you. <laughs> that was my vegetable contingent uh, at, over my weekend, my long weekend with the boys. Was just I had a Caesar and it had a piece of celery and it had a pickled bean, so that comprised of my all the whole of my vegetable consumption. So yeah, uh, and hence my you probably noticed my voice is a touch deeper. There was a lot of screaming, hooting, and hollering you over don't the weekend. Say. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I'm happy to be back. Happy to be back. So. Uh, and then reminder that uh, Bob Irving joins us at 835 for a weekly Monday visit. But we want to jumpstart the conversation right now on sports because it's been dubbed GM's Week by at least one sports network. The Seattle Kraken expansion draft this past Wednesday. The NHL entry draft over the weekend. And then this coming Wednesday, NHL free agency opens. Yeah, it's sort of the end of the 2021 season and the beginning of the 2021-22 season. All wrapped up over the course of the seven-day window, Brett. And Kelly Moore is sports director and, of course, hockey guru here at 680 CJOB. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, fellas. Yeah, I, I I like the idea of the pickled bean too, Hitman. <laughs> All right, I got some support, G Mac. Well, hopefully that's not the full roster of uh, vegetables and or fruit that you consume. I, I know it's not, Kelly. But speaking of of rosters, of course, uh, the Winnipeg Jets in their first round pick at seventeen overall, Chaz Lucius. Most teams will give you the old can't believe he was still there. Comments based on what you've learned about Lucius. Does that apply? Uh, yes, it does. You know, it, uh, it and of course, you know, this was a unique year. Uh, there was limited viewing at the best of times for many of these players. And then when you take a look at uh, the situation for Lucius, where last summer he had to undergo uh, a, a knee surgery to repair a bone lesion. He didn't get back skating until early in 2021 scored 12 goals in, or 13 goals in 12 USHL games, was getting ready to play for Team United States at the World Under-18 in Dallas in late April. And, of course, there were COVID protocols, wound up in quarantine because of a fever, had to miss that tournament. So, it, you know, his draft year was impacted greatly. But 
every single report that you read on this kid he is a natural born goal scorer he's a tremendous leader he's just he's an amazing young man uh, when you really dip into some of the great articles that have been written about him so uh, and i don't know if you managed to catch uh, our jets daily report just before seven but uh, we were live with the uh, draft coverage on friday night and you could hear the excitement in kevin shevelday's voice when he announced Chaz lucius now and by the way officially it's the 18th selection of the NHL draft. He was the 17th player picked because of that uh, 11th overall forfeiture by Arizona. It's going to be ah, one of those okay. things with the draft. Yeah. Right. You know what, though, GMAC, you're right. He, in my books, he was the 17th overall selection. Okay. Thank you, Kelly. I, I, I hate when I let you down with the numbers. No, you like didn't that. let me down at all. All <laughs> weekend, I called him the 17th selection, too. So we're in the same boat, buddy. Right on, partner. Several high-profile defensemen, meanwhile, moved to new teams over the past several days, Kelly. We have Oliver Ackman-Larsen from Arizona to Vancouver. Rasmus Ritzelainen from Buffalo to Philadelphia. Seth Jones, now in Chicago, and signed a huge contract yeah. with the Blackhawks. So what does it mean for the Jets' search for a top-four defenseman? Well, I don't know that they might have been in on Ristolainen, uh, but uh, I don't think they were ever in uh, the hunt for Oliver Ekman Larson or for Seth Jones. So uh, I guess, if anything, if they're thinking of the idea of going after Dougie Hamilton, and you know, let's let's throw the extend uh, the new contract uh, for Kale McCarr in in Colorado into the mix there because that was nine million. So between Seth Jones with a AAV of nine and a half on an eight year deal and Kale McCarr's new deal, that's really set the bar high for the big dog that's left uh, for unrestricted free agency, Dougie Hamilton. And, and so I don't know if the Jets would be in on that, but they're certainly going to try hard in unrestricted free agency. I think they're going to work at at some deals now this is just my own speculation okay the, i the jets don't talk to me at all uh but i think a guy like a carson susie who was picked up by seattle one of the many left shot defensemen they have uh he's still got two years left at 2.75 million played pretty well for minnesota uh just had to be left available because uh, of the uh, wilds uh, depth on defense but i think that's the kind of a guy uh that the winnipeg jets i think might be able to, uh, to take a run at uh, in in terms of, uh, you know, trying to fill out the top four for their defense and then bring along the likes of Billy Hainola and and possibly Dylan Sandberg, uh, on a, a, you know, and then use Logan Stanley and whoever else they're able to add. Maybe it's one of their own players in Tucker Pullman uh, to a more of a, a third pair type of scenario because those two guys in particular played really well against Edmonton uh, in the first round. Boy, that conversation isn't going anywhere fast <laughs> if this is what materializes, <laughs> Kelly. Oh, yeah, yeah. So let's yeah. talk uh, about the Logan Mayu situation. Uh, we've been discussing it this morning. We played a report from uh, Global Television earlier. Montreal Canadiens took the player who himself asked not to be drafted. And, he, of course, a young man who paid a fine in Sweden for his misconduct. He wasn't charged when he shared pictures he took during a consensual sexual act. And the reaction has been everything from the pick should be rescinded to Habs GM Mark Bergevin should be fired for making this decision to people saying Mayu deserves a second chance. Here's Mayu's uh, version of what happened. During an intimate moment with a young woman, I took a picture of us without her consent. I sent it to my teammates to impress them. It was totally irresponsible and a stupid act that I committed without thinking twice. For that lack of judgment, 
on my part, I was fined by Swedish law. I know I caused a lot of harm to this person and their family, and I regret doing this stupid and ego egotistical act. I deeply regret it. What I did now is unfortunately a part of both her life and mine. I've apologized to her, but nonetheless, this will follow her for the rest of her life. And for that, I deeply and sincerely regret it. Kelly? Yeah, you know what? It was a stunner on Friday night. And uh, it, it certainly took away uh, from what was, you know, you guys talked about some of the deals that were made on Friday. And, and just it just took away from all of the things that happened on Friday night because it became the major talking point. It is a reprehensible decision by the people in charge. I'm not going to tar and feather every single member of the Montreal Canadiens organization, but Mark Bergevin and the director of scouting, Trevor Timmons, uh, they have to answer for this, and they have to answer for this, I think, in tangible terms. Uh, because, uh, th- and, and what does this say to the other players who were in that neighborhood to be drafted and had to wait until Saturday uh, or whatever? I mean, what were they thinking when the Montreal Canadiens uh, went off the board is too loose a term to talk about for this particular decision? It... Uh, uh, <laughs> It was indescribable. It really was that they that they thought that they could justify making that pick, and and still somehow uh, resemble a professional hockey club. That, that's and I'm holding back, as you can well imagine. Wow, and you've said a lot there. Do we have time to play this uh, clip here? You sent us a clip with someone asking Mayu a question. Do you, can you tell us who was asking the question that we're about to hear? Uh, you know what? I don't. I, while you're playing it, I'll see if I can uh, figure it out. But Sorry, I, I don't Kelly. recollect. I was just grabbing stuff on the fly. So, no problem. Yeah. Let's press play. What do you have to say to fans who basically just feel that you're essentially not being sincere, and frankly, they might not even really believe you? Uh, uh, all I can hope for is, is that they do, and that they can can trust me. Uh, I, I made a, a stupid mistake, and uh, I think I have to earn back that trust. It's not something that should be given to me at all. Uh, I think that's that's sort of the reason why I came out with that statement on Tuesday is that I, I felt that it was a, a right that I had not earned to get drafted in the NHL. Uh, and I, I do think being in Montreal, uh, I, I want to further myself as a, as a person and as an individual. And uh, I, I hope that I can be a, a positive impact in, in the community moving forward. And I, I think that they'll be able to, to help me along those uh, guidelines here. I hope the Canadian. I'm, I'm pretty, oh, I'm pretty sure that was Sportsnet's Eric Engels, uh, our colleague. Thank you very much, Kelly. We appreciate it, and uh, thanks for uh, sharing your, your thoughts, uh, uh, highly personal thoughts on this. I can only hope, Brett Kelly, that the Montreal Canadiens commit as many resources to helping Logan Mayu through this situation as they do to the young woman who was also involved in this situation. I think it's. Uh, it's reprehensible to, yeah. to, to, to go down this road without some sort of consideration for helping this woman at the same time. Yeah, all the goodwill that they created by getting to the cup final vanished just like that Friday night. Kelly Moore joining us live on 680 CJOB. Mr. Moore, thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, Brett. I love the deep voice, baby. Love the deep voice. Get into that production room. 
Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off for a couple of weeks. Question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. Simple question today. Have you been able to save up some money during the pandemic? And the question is inspired by the fact that last hour we talked about YOLO spending, how to avoid YOLO spending post-pandemic. YOLO meaning you only live once. That's inspired one conversation we're having where we're asking you to tell us about impulse shopping. Give us a story about impulse shopping. We're getting lots of great ones, and Greg's highlighted one we'll share in a moment. But Dave, on the subject of saving money, with some great perspective here, because I think a lot of us probably sometimes wonder, like, well, how am I going to save money? I can't save money. I, I, you know, I just can't afford to save money. But Dave made a simple change in his life says, stopped going to Tim's March 16th, 2020. At the end of this week, I've saved $2,012 from that one change. Wow. How, what else do you say? But wow. And uh, so I broke out my calculator and I was doing a little <laughs> bit of work here and uh, I could get to, yeah, in 52 weeks pretty quick, about 800 bucks. Yeah. and And that's not taking into account all my Tim Hortons purchases. So they obviously, A, there's a reason why they are as busy as they are and such a massive corporation. But uh, can you imagine the number of Canadians who spend close to 10 to $20 a week at Tim Hortons? And it does. It adds up very, very quickly. Not admonishing anybody for doing it. Yeah. But, you know, those $2 here, $2 there. They do add up real quick. Yeah, if you stop for coffee every day on your way into work, like I know one of our colleagues used to get stop in and get a coffee every day when we worked at Polo Park. We now work downtown. They don't drive to work anymore. So those those coffees, those daily coffees, that's money in the bank. But on this one, money went out of the bank <laughs> at Costco, Greg. I'd like uh, this individual to purchase my next uh, round of chicken breast. <laughs> I went to Costco to buy chicken breast and ended up walking out with a 75-inch television. (laughs) My husband was actually happy about that impulse buy. Thank you for your confession this morning at 204-780-68. I'm glad it turned out nice again for you as well. I love that impulse buy, and who could blame, who could possibly get mad at you for that, for walking through the door with a 75-inch TV? Well done, well done. The Couch Potatoes salute you. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off for a couple of weeks. Big announcement for a fun series of events this summer. Here's the headline, Greg. Burt Block Parties mark return of live music downtown. Jeff, can we bring on Greg? I have to press yeah, this it's, button. It, that's not, that's it not kind of helps. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I've been talking away, and I'm like, I don't hear myself. Nobody else can hear me. I'm sure of it. 680 CJOB welcomes, get this, the Jim Cuddy Band and the Northern Pikes on Friday, August 20th, and Street Heart, Honeymoon Suite, and the Headpins on Friday, August 27th, part of the Burt Block Party Summer Concert Series. Tickets go on sale Wednesday, August 20th. Going to be have to be July twenty eighth. Oh yes, probably. Daily tickets start at thirty nine fifty. 
visit the website BurtBlockParty.ca. Canadian music, some classic Canadian music at its live and in-person finest, Brett McGarry. But we are going to have tickets to give away for both of those shows in August. By the way, each Burt Block Party is going to be hosted by local music lovers, the Village Idiots, creators of the hit series Live at the Roslyn. So once again, the Burt Block Party is marking the return of live music downtown. And how nice is it, Greg, to be seeing live music you referenced that you were at the beer can on friday while you were there did they have any because they've got a stage there did they have any live performers on it it was just getting underway and unfortunately they were sort of co-hosting a music festival and so you needed tickets to that so we got a little taste of it but certainly nothing i could sing along to certainly nothing that i was familiar with like i would be with this incredible lineup over several nights, over two weekends, Northern Pikes, they're a blast live. Street Heart, well, what can you say about them? Honeymoon Suite, uh, I've seen them multiple times over the years. And the Headpins, are you kidding me? Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, this festival, the Burt Block Party, also is going to include on Saturday, August 21st, the Sheepdogs and Said the Whale. Come on! And then on August 28th, simply dubbed as Winnipeg's hottest summer party but again we're gonna have tickets for the jim cuddy band and the northern pikes on friday august 20th and then street heart honeymoon suite and the head pins on friday august 27th and forgive me i'm just looking at the graphics for this and it looks like on the night that the jim cuddy band and the northern pikes are playing on friday also Playing 5440. She ain't pretty. She just looks that way. Is that the the Northern Pikes? That's the Northern Pikes. 5440. (laughs) I I know like a dozen of their songs. Of course, I can only think of the one that Hootie and the Blowfish remade. Which is a great song. I just can't think of it right now. I go blind. I go blind. Yeah. It's exactly the one. And And the venue for this, you can actually look out your window and see it, Brett. Right out in front of the Burton Cummings Theater. There'll be room for 4,000 people. Wow. Each night. And of course, the provision, you'll be required to be double vaccinated. So you'll need your card or your QR code. A limited number of VIP tickets also available. There'll be VIP viewing decks for the concert. Absolutely Stellar entertainment coming to downtown Winnipeg at the end of August. Cannot wait. Yeah, so it's it's just cool. Like we saw that uh, over the weekend, uh, we had Jazz Winnipeg kicking off uh, Sunday Garden Party Series at uh, Dalnavert Museum. So it's kind of nice to see people. I'm just looking at the picture right now at globalnews.ca of people sitting in lawn chairs outside the Dalnavert uh, Museum, which would be, now that I think of it, that would be a, an awesome spot to watch a show because it looks like the performers are sort of on the the deck on the 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 sort of deck that wraps around that building so that would be a great spot to check out a live show but we're seeing the live entertainment start to pop up and it's just nice to see things coming back to life and it's just i i know that we're seeing surges all over the place and i really hope we can Hold the line at least enough so that we don't have to shut everything down or at least moderately, even moderately, shut things, start shutting things back down. Well, as I said earlier, it feels like we have, for as frustrating as it's been at times, the pace of reopening here in Manitoba and as 
much as some people don't like the rules that disclude those that are not double vaccinated, when you take a look around at particularly the United States and what's going on there, and they reopened full bore, got rid of masks, uh, allowed people to attend sporting events, uh, unmasked in a great number of circumstances, unvaccinated also allowed into arenas and stadiums and you look at manitoba 78.6 this is as of yesterday 78.6 percent of manitobans that are eligible have one dose of a vaccine and 66 percent have two doses uh that's that's some of the best vaccination numbers on the planet The Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Enter day 17 of training camp today, Greg. The voice of the Blue Bombers has been there keeping tabs on the progress of the defending Grey Cup champions. Yeah, Bob Irving joins us now. Bob, uh, tonight it sort of feels like things are as they ought to be. Monday night, it's the first Blue Bombers coaches show with Mike O'Shea, 7 till 8 on CJOB. Are you all set? I'm all set. I think Mike is too, Greg. Uh, we will have a chance to have an hour long in-depth chat about uh, training camp and how it's gone, how he feels about the returning vets and some of the newcomers, when they might uh, reduce the roster, the training camp roster, which is still around 90 players. The, the deadline for CFL teams to get down to the roster limit is Friday. So the Bombers have some work to do. They've taken today off of practice, the first one, after 16 days of being on the field uh, every day. And they'll be back out there tomorrow for three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday's cut-down day as they get uh, ready for the season opener, which is now just 10 days away. August 5th, the Hamilton Tiger Cats roll into town. Plenty of eyes in the kicking game, Bob, as the Blue Bombers attempt to fill the shoes of Justin Medlock. What can you tell us about that? Well, I'd say it's pretty even right now, Brett. Uh, the uh, the rookie, Leggio, can punt as, long as, place, as well as place kick, so I think he's going to be on the team either way either just as the punter or both the punter and the place kicker. Tyler Crepina has been pretty solid in kicking field goals. I'd call it a dead heat right now. Legio's leg is a little stronger, I'd say, on the place kicks, but accuracy is most important there. So we'll see how that shakes down. I think there's a chance both of them will be on the roster when the season begins. But right now it's a, it's a real toss-up, so we'll see what the next few days hold. Before I ask you about Andrew Harris, uh, Krapina, is he Canadian? And so does yes. that make it easier for the Blue Bombers to justify keeping him around and, and maybe splitting the duties, Bob? Yes, that's right. We don't talk enough about that probably, Greg, but he is a Canadian. Both he and Leggy are Canadian. So, you know, there's no way in the world any team would keep two import kickers on their roster, but it's easier with the Canadians. So, yes, that, that makes it easier for the Bombers to keep both if that's the way they decide to go. So Andrew Harris, I mentioned his name. He's been held out of team drills for almost all of training camp. I think it was after day two that we learned that uh, don't expect to see uh, number 33 in any team drills. Have you spoken to Harris, and and do you know how he feels about this approach? I have not spoken to him. Players who aren't practicing typically aren't made available to the media. Uh, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen with Andrew Harris. He did go out Saturday for a little bit and then uh, was held back. He didn't do anything in practice yesterday. Mike O'Shea has said all along that they're going to hold him out, and when uh, they feel the need to get him back on the practice field and get him ready for the season, they'll do that. It's clear to me that there is something that's that's kind of bothering him, whether it's a minor nick or, or not, I'm not sure. 
Uh, we'll see what happens on Sunday. Sunday is the first day of the sort of formal preparation for the season opener. They practice three full days before every regular season game. So Sunday's what they call day one. And we'll see if Andrew Harris practices on that day. I think that's going to be kind of critical. Right now, Greg, I'd say, you know, his status is a little bit up in the air, even though the club continues to say that when the regular season begins, they'll roll him out there. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see on Harris. Any other sportings catch your attention this weekend, Bob? Well, of course, the NHL draft. I know the Jets were ecstatic over getting Chaz Lucius and even the, the Russian and Nikita Chiprikov. They feel both were steals, although I would say that over the years, every GM will say the same thing about some of their picks. So we'll and those guys are down the road. They're you know a couple of years away, both of them. So you you know you follow that. I watch that very closely. And at the Olympics, you know the Olympics draws you in, right? I thought before it started, you know, I don't know if I can get too excited about them this time because of COVID and the year delay and all that. But as soon as they start, you're watching sports that you never thought you would watch with any intensity. I caught this three-on-three basketball the other day on. TV and it was I didn't even know it existed I have to admit and it was fascinating to watch and then yesterday was Tyler Mislawchuk you know I watched uh, the whole thing although I was infuriated with the coverage on CBC television that they they went away from the race just when they started the running portion of it and Tyler Mislawchuk was in the top 10 pack and then they didn't come back until you know, the last few minutes of the race when Tyler had dropped back and finished 15th, I know how disappointed he would be and his dad, who I know well, uh, they would be very disappointed. It's, you know, these guys prepare for four years for this one shot at their event, and then if it doesn't work out, I can't imagine how crushing it must be because the next Olympics is four years down the road, although in this case it's only three years because the Tokyo Games were delayed by a year. So, yeah, there, there you go, Greg. Or Brett, rather, that's what caught my eye. Well, I like I like the fact that you mentioned the Olympics and Tyler Mislaw, Chuck. I, I was watching online, and I, I apologies to my in-laws. Uh, we were uh, having a hot dog in the backyard yesterday, and I had my nose in my phone because you know I was fascinated and wanted to know how Tyler would do. And finishing fifteenth uh, here at, at in Tokyo, and then uh, he did the same thing four years ago in Rio. You obviously will be a disappointed or a disappointment, rather, Bob. But you know who else caught my attention over the weekend is Penny Alexiak, uh, right. the Canadian swimmer. Her brother, uh, of course, was chosen by the Seattle Kraken. He's the heaviest player in the National Hockey League. So I had to look up how tall exactly is Penny Alexiak. She's six foot one and what an incredible athlete she is well she is and uh, she anchored that relay race the canada won the silver medal in swimming and it was really cool to see it because she had to really take charge in the last lap to get them into second place so she's you know had great success in the past and uh, that was I don't know, when Canada wins a medal and they do it, uh, you know, by beating, as you beat out the Americans, right? Australia won the gold in that swimming event in Canada, beat out the Americans to win a silver. It's sort of because the Americans have a powerful swim team. It kind of adds a little extra to it. But she's remarkable. She really is, Greg. And before I let you go, Bob, on the subject of the Olympics as it pertains to golf, uh, some rather shocking news over the weekend as it pertains to Bryson DeChambeau and uh, more John specifically Rom. John Rahm. 
Yeah, they both tested positive for COVID and pulled out. And it's the second time Rom has tested positive for COVID. He had to withdraw from a PGA tournament, the Memorial, when he had a six-shot lead going into the final round. He had to miss the final round. So, yeah, that was a stunner. It really was. Patrick Reed replaced DeChambeau on the American team. And uh, Spain, where Rom is from, said they didn't have anybody they thought would be ready to go. So they're going to go with one player instead of two. But, yeah, that was a, that was a bit stunning for sure. Bob, thanks very much. We look forward to tonight, 7 o'clock. Give us the uh, elevator pitch, if you would. Well, you know, you got to find out what's going on with the Blue Bombers, and your in-depth chance is once a week, 7 to 8, on CJOB Monday night. It'll be part of the Jim Toth-hosted 680 CJOB Sports Show. Jim's filling in for Christian O'Mell this week. That's right. Jim Toth in for Christian O'Mell, who is on a quest to play seven rounds of golf in seven days. Uh, Bob Irving, thank you very much for joining us. A pleasure as always, sir. My pleasure entirely, gentlemen. Uh, Christian was wearing uh, Duke colors yesterday because he likes Duke University. He said because he's playing with his dad, so I guess he and his dad are fans of the Blue Devils. <laughs> you're shaking your head. Nope. You're, like, you're like the Tar Heels, right? Correct. The yep. North Carolina Tar Heels. Yeah. Yep. Well, that, you know, it's funny because it goes back such a long way to the Michael Jordan days and of course Duke has done such incredible things and I just, when I see that Blue Devils blue, I, just, I see, I don't, I don't get it. It's such a visceral reaction. You just described it, and I'm angry. I, I held on to that hatred for years, too, Christian Leitner. I still remember the shot, the shot for Duke to beat the Kentucky Wildcats to advance to, I believe it was, the, to get into the Final Four, because I'm pretty sure that was an Elite Eight matchup. So, yeah, that was frustrating. Mackling and McGarry McNabb's on vacation. We have our winner at 204-780-6868 on impulse buying. You've been telling us great stories on impulse shopping. A question we asked earlier because we at 637 told you a global news story about how to keep control of your YOLO spending. YOLO meaning you only live once uh, because a lot of people as we sort of approach post-pandemic life, might be wanting to spend more money. And Rudy says in about 1992, went to look at furniture. 36-inch Sony. This is before flat screens. It was showing good color, good sound. Uh, well, the wife, while the wife was looking around, I was watching with surround sound. The sales manager gave me a package deal. I said yes. While trying to load it into a small Dodge hatchback, the only way it would fit was to take the hydraulic lifts off the hatchback to do this, hoping no one will take it as I drove home across the city. At home, no help to get it out, so I eased it out on the road, flipped the big heavy box in the house, and took all afternoon to set up with all the speakers and 300 amp, etc. We played a new movie, Jurassic Park, great family movie with surround sound. To this day, I have the setup in the corner of the basement with a blanket over it. I will not get rid of this. Uh-huh, that's what happens with these electronic components. They were so expensive back in the day, and it's really difficult to get Get rid of them. I'm with you, Rudy. Darren says this. Oh, boy. This is, uh, <clears throat> well, it, it, it's self-explanatory. Uh, compulsive purchasing. Not myself, but my wife. After a medical procedure, we went to People's Jewelers in Polo Park. She saw this ring set that she just had to have. I tried to explain making a big purchase while whacked out on meds probably wasn't a good idea. Nope. She had to have them, so she bought them. The next morning, she's, what the are these? 
Looking at the rings, we took them back to a pretty ticked-off salesperson, but she was under the influence of meds, so they had to take them back. I still pester her about it years later. <laughs> Thank you, Darren, for sharing that. So why don't you read the winning text in a moment here, but I see you've found one from Gary uh, after my own heart because it has to do with golf, and Gary says, mm-hmm. best impulse buys Prior to the pandemic was my trips to Golf Town after work. Didn't matter which store in Winnipeg, but you know, something was talking to you in the store upon arrival. Over the last couple of years, you learn to be a savvy shopper and know your products. A couple of years ago, they were clearing out Adams drivers for 50 bucks. I needed one. I took three. Oh, boy. Boxing Day special, Titleist. Woods 1 and 5 on sale. Absolutely. The March sale had Strixon drivers. That's another brand, Strixon, on sale from $590 down to $150. Nice. That's a good deal. So to make a long story short, all impulse buys, I now have three full sets of clubs. <laughs> and they were all on sale, all impulse, and I couldn't be happier. <laughs> Gary, when's the garage sale? Let it, give us a heads up, if you would. He's probably right-handed, though, so it's uh, no good for me. Hey, winner is uh, Brad today. We read this earlier, but it's about an impulse buy that got cut off at the pass, so to speak. <laughs> I had a snow machine and ended up writing it off. Promised my wife I would not get another one. The machine I had was at a dealership, and they were assessing it for MPI. Of course, I go check and see where it is at and um, got looking at a new sled and went ahead and was going to buy it. Well, my wife and I used to work at the same office. And, uh, well, the dealership phoned to let me know that my new sled was ready and uh, when it could be picked up. But it was my wife that they told to relay the message to me as I was in a meeting. Well, long story short, I do not have a new snowmobile and I am on a shorter leash. <laughs> Congratulations, Brad. You and your shorter leash get a $20 gift certificate for San Lucia Pizza. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on vacation. Our next guest is a regular visitor here on The Start. In 2017, he received the Governor General's Literacy Award. He often has multiple books on a variety of bestsellers lists at once to describe him as a prolific writer and storyteller. Greg, that is an understatement. Yeah, the, the sorry, Brett. The headline in the opinion section of the July 23rd edition of the Globe and Mail reads... Brian Pallister has shattered the relationship between Indigenous people and the Manitoba government. The author of the opinion piece attached is our next guest. As you mentioned, Brett, he's acclaimed Winnipeg author, member of Norway House First Nation, David A. Robertson. David, good morning, my friend. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? We're doing really well. Hope you had a terrific weekend. I was, uh, have to say... Personally surprised to see you share this on social media last week. Not that I, you know, don't cherish your words, but have you ever written an opinion piece of this sort in the past? Um, no, I, I think that this is uh, a, a new kind of uh, style of writing for me. Um, but I've, I've, I've been getting more and more into freelance work uh and so i'm I'm, start, I'm just starting to like it and i think people are asking me more and more to write stuff for them so when you know when they, when they asked me if i wanted to write an opinion piece on pallister's uh, comments lately and over the last couple of years i um i kind of jumped at the chance because 
Um, you know, I, I think I have very strong opinions about um, his work in the area of reconciliation or a lack of work. Um, and I wanted to share it because I thought it was important for people to hear, the, that, that, hear about it from the perspective of an Indigenous person. So what part of reconciliation, David, is it that you don't think our premier is comprehending? Well, I mean, all of it. You know, there's there's a big history there, you know, over the last five years where, you know, what to me, what reconciliation is, it's it's just talking with someone. It's it's listening to them. It's sharing knowledge, stories um, so that we can better understand each other and move forward together. Um, You know, and as far back as 2017, um, you know, with that uh, bike ride he took to Peguis. Um, called it. He called it his reconciliation ride. Well, after the after the kickoff, he didn't speak to any indigenous people. So you can't really work towards reconciliation if you're not going to talk to anybody, you know, um, and just do kind of photo ops or events for show. And that's what that certainly felt like, you know. And, th- and that ride, for example, as well, it retraced the steps that is possibly re-traumatizing for indigenous people from Pegasus. Uh, because it was the road that they took when they were displaced from their home community. So, you know, I think like there's a history of that, um, and, and and you know, as recent as a couple of weeks ago, um, where he has continued to um, he continued to uh, you know break uh, and break and break this relationship, uh, you know, more and more and more, and it's uh, it's very troubling. Um, and, you know, I, I think that hopefully, um, in, in hearing some of this, um, it will maybe just cause him to self-reflect a little bit, although I'm not quite confident that's going to happen. So David, and the several points that jumped out for me from your piece, but for as much as your memoir Blackwater is written by you, of course, much of it is your father's story. And in that book, I love the descriptions of your interactions with your dad and how you relay listening to your dad's stories. You set such an incredible and paint such an incredible picture of, of the, places and the ways that you listen and the, and the different things that go on while listening to your father's stories. And here's from your piece uh, in the Globe and Mail. In 2019, the year he passed away, dad told me, this is your dad, that he believed reconciliation was a simple act. It's seeing through stereotypes we've been indoctrinated with and understanding one another from a place of truth. He said that you have to communicate and most of all, you have to listen. How much of this path to reconciliation involves listening, David? Well, so much of it, right? I mean, we we have grown up in a society where, you know, especially in the 80s and the 90s, and even as early as, you know, 10 years ago, um, these truths just weren't being shared to the extent that they are now. Um, So there was really, you know, we weren't given the platform and so there wasn't much to listen to. Um, but now, I mean, I mean, now there's, there's no excuse. And I think I've said that before. There's, there's no excuse not to know the history. There is so much truth out there um, being written by indigenous writers, uh, artists, um, politicians. Um, and you just have to take the time to listen and learn before you speak, before you act. 
And, you know, as I said, I think Pallister would, would do well to do that. Um, he's shown almost a contempt for that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, the, some of the audacious things that have happened, um, especially over the last year, um, have been startling. You know, the sort of race baiting that he's gotten into, um, where he blamed or was, or was I, 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 I suppose, um, you know, uh, unfairly um, saying that uh, Manitobans were getting the short end of the stick because Indigenous people were getting priority for vaccinations. Um, you know, and, th- and that sends a message, you know, that uh, uh, a very thinly veiled message that Indigenous people are to blame for a shortage of vaccinations, maybe for other Manitobans. Um, but you didn't hear mentioned frontline front, front workers. You didn't hear mentioned the elderly who are also given priority. Um, and so those sorts of comments, I think, are, um, you know, they're, they're not infrequent. Um, and they, they display a, a lack of knowledge, compassion and understanding. You know, just reading the words in your piece here, the headline once again, Brian Pallister has shattered the relationship between Indigenous people and the Manitoba government. Uh, opinion piece contributed to the Globe and Mail. David A. Robertson is our guest, a Winnipeg author, uh, where you, uh, the quote is, 2020, December, Mr. Pallister whined about the fact that First Nations were getting prioritized. Uh, so I appreciate, we appreciate your, your insight into this because, uh, you know, when you refer to it as race baiting, uh, I certainly raised an eyebrow when he made those comments, but uh, thinking of it in this context uh, sort of helps us learn. You know, we this is one of the reasons why we bring you on, David, is to, to learn from you. And uh, can you maybe, are there other examples of this race baiting that uh, that jumped to mind when it comes to uh, this government? Yeah, I mean, what we're talking about here is just comments like that. They're inflammatory that can steer negative negative uh, perceptions towards Indigenous people um, or perpetuate stereotypes. You know, as early as, you know, four or five years ago when he's talking about how he's afraid to walk downtown um, as a six foot eight man uh, to go to Mountain Equipment Co-op. He didn't mention it directly that um, he was afraid to walk downtown because of Indigenous people, but the inference was there. Um, you know, everybody knows the stereotypes about downtown and how um, it's populated by Indigenous people who are, um, you know, exactly what we would expect based on stereotypes that we grew up with. Um, and so, you know, that's just, you know, another example where um, the comments that he's made, um, it, it does shape perceptions. And as a leader, like as a leader of this province, and he is a leader, um, the quality of leadership is under question, but he is a leader. Um, there's a responsibility there to do better. Um, and, you know, to, to lead in a way that is um, good for all Manitobans, not just for a segment. Um, and certainly that isn't detrimental. Um, and the continued comments from Pallister um, are, are just not, not doing the job um, and certainly not, Doing, doing the right work in the area of reconciliation. I mean, you look at the appointment of Alan Majamodier, who clearly wasn't ready for that position. Um, you know, what's the vetting process there? You know, um, did, did there, there was any, was there any sort of um, lead up or knowledge of 
what he knew about residential schools and its impacts um, because his comments were very harmful. And if you're going to hire someone to be the Indigenous Reconciliation Minister, um, you know, they, they better have some sort of a grasp on the, on the, on the impacts of that system and what it was really um, put in place for. Um, yeah, so, I mean, in that article, it was, um, you know, it was really just me giving concrete examples of things that he did or said and just adding context um, and, and, and opinions based on, on his actions and his words. David, in all our time that we visited with one another, there, there's a fact that, that comes out in your, in your book uh, that I didn't know about you, and uh, that is the fact that uh, you know, in Blackwater, you admit or you tell the story about how your Indigenous heritage was kept from you by your mother. You didn't even, you didn't even know until you were uh, in your teenage years that, that you were Indigenous. So you have an incredibly unique perspective on this in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's allowed me to, I guess, it, it, you could say walk in both worlds, um, where when I was younger, uh, my parents wanted me to find my own way. And so there was no exposure to the Cree culture that I am, a, you know, have a big part of me is, is, is Cree. Um, and so I grew up with um, a lot of the things that, you know, Greg and Brett, you guys would have grown up with um, or grown, grew up with that, that sort of lack, you know. Um, and, and, you know, I, I had the same sort of negative perceptions of Indigenous people that a lot of Winnipeggers, a lot of Manitobans, a lot of Canadians had. And a lot of, uh, a lot of that impacted my self-worth as well um, because I knew I was Indigenous. But of all the things I was learning, I, I thought, you know, I don't, I don't want to be Indigenous and, you know, it, it, it was comments not, not too far away from um, the comments that we've seen from the PC and the PC caucus um, that kind of uh, steered me towards that perception. And it, it has taken a long time um, with a lot of great guidance from my father um, to come to a place where I truly understand, you know, who I am as a Cree person and have a really nuanced and articulate knowledge of Indigenous history in Canada and in North America. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's the journey that everybody needs to take because it, this sort of history, residential school history, for example, um, it's Canadian history. It's not ind- Indigenous history. And so it, it involves everybody because we're all Canadians and we all have a responsibility to know that history um, and to understand its impacts. Um, yeah, so it's been a long journey for me, and I think that you're right. Uh, having walked in both on both sides of the line, um, I found that balance, and it's allowed me to see this issue from from two perspectives, and it's helped me to be um, more understanding of it, um, but also uh, critical of it when I see things that um, I don't think are right. I'm I feel like there's a responsibility there to speak out about it. David A. Robertson, acclaimed Winnipeg author. He's written an opinion piece for the Globe and Mail with the headline, Brian Pallister has shattered the relationship between Indigenous people and the Manitoba government. David, thank you, as always, for taking a few minutes to speak to us this morning. We very much appreciate it, sir. Always a pleasure. You too. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. 
And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.